to the Practically Theologians podcast. Once again, we're discussing things that we hope uh, theolog- that are theologically that we hope connect to your life practically. And I'm going to start over because that's terrible. <laughs> to the Practically Theologians podcast, where we hope to connect the theological to the practical. And I'm here again with Andrew. We're going to be talking about things we're thinking through, and so please listen and understand we are working these things through these things. We're not saying that they're things you should do or, or that the church should do. We're not trying to be critical, even though it might sound that way sometimes, because we do have opinions. And we're not representing our respective churches. These are only our personal opinions. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> if you have any feedback for us or any questions, email us, podcast at practicallytheologians.org. We don't get very many emails. We'd love to have one just to say hi or whatever, even if you don't have feedback. Uh, we're just working these, through these things, and we're kind of letting you in on the conversation so you can perhaps have a little sympathy for people that you might disagree with on these topics that we're encountering nowadays with uh, governments uh, with their mandates and such. So, Andrew, is that is that a good disclaimer? Did I miss anything? Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And also, um, I think as we stated last time, uh, we're not we're not trying to we're not trying to encourage anyone to take any sort of action <laughs> based on our based solely on our opinions. Uh, we're just trying to kind of have a conversation and maybe fill in some gaps and some understanding. Uh, try to flush out what the scriptures say about these things, but. We don't have the the time or the personal interaction with anyone that would be listening to to actually help them understand how to act based on this. Uh, this is just kind of listening in on the conversation. There's a lot more to be said um, as this starts to as we start to live these things out. There's a lot more to the conversation. So this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg kind of stuff, thinking out loud and hopefully encouraging some discussion with whoever would listen in your context with the people that you're surrounded with, that maybe this could just be a, a kickstart to that conversation. But like you said, Josh, we, we would love to hear from anyone. If you want to further that conversation in person, we, we would welcome that as well. Oh yeah, sure. In person is fine too. Hey, I forget about that option. I actually uh, have a saying and it, and what you said is perfect. You can't, you can't really have a conversation with somebody unless you can slap them while you're talking to them. <laughs> and my friend, my good friend likes to say hug instead of slap. And that's okay too. Yeah. Either but way. I think that's great advice. We're not, we're not near enough to you to convince you to change your life. So we're just helping hopefully add to your thinking. That's yep. all. Yep. <laughs> and I might not slap you. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Well, the good thing is we're far enough apart that I don't have to worry about that right now. But. Right now, yeah. I could get a plane ticket, though. So uh, last time we ended kind of, uh, we called it a cliffhanger. Maybe it wasn't, but we ended without really coming to a conclusion on things. And the example we ended on was a police officer pulling you over, perhaps without probable cause or without a reason, and and kind of thinking through the issue of their authority if it is an unlawful stop, an unlawful, whatever it's called in the lingo, search and seizure or without a warrant type of thing or without probable cause. So do we want to continue with that example of a police officer and how we interact with that, with that man? 
Yeah, I think that uh, it'd be, it's good for us to think about this illustration because uh, it shows us, uh, or it was helping me realize uh, as we were talking about this, that the, the, the law, especially if we're talking about here in the, in the United States of America. So if we look at this, at our situation specifically, the law is ultimately where authority comes from, right? So if, if a police officer is acting outside of the law, that police officer actually has no authority. They've, they've basically, they've, they've moved outside of their, uh, outside of their, where their authority comes from. So if a police officer pulls you over for no reason or tries to arrest you for no reason, it's not going to hold up, right? It's not going to hold up because they're acting outside of the law. They're acting outside of their authority. And that's important for us to, to come to terms with, or to, to, to think about, to speak about, because, that proves that illustration proves that the law is ultimately king, right? That the, the law is ultimately the overarching authority from which all other authority comes from or where all other authority finds its, its basis. So we need to understand the law. If we're going to understand Romans 13 and first Peter two, that tell us to, uh, that exhort us as Christians to yield or submit or obey the governing authorities for us as Americans that ultimately rest that, that governing authority ultimately is the law. Uh, and so that's where we need to start. I think in that illustration helps us see very clearly that it's not a person and it's not even necessarily a an office. It's the law and then how that office fits within the law and then how the person in that office uh, is is working out their their role within their office and furthermore within the law. So I think it's, it's really helpful for us to see how it all goes back to the law and how that is the overarching authority. The law is king. The law is king. That's a great title for a book. I wonder if anybody ever wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just for the listener benefit, if you want to look it up, Lex Rex, which is means the law is king, written by Samuel Rutherford back in the 1600s, I believe, is a short little book on on the law is king, not the king is law. So anyway, <laughs> I thought I'd throw that yeah. plug in there for that book. So when we're interacting with a police officer then who has pulled us over for no good reason, what, here, here's <laughs> so here's uh, here's something that I was thinking about that we should have put in our podcaster, but we ran out of time. the The police officer, the big difference between you and him or her is that they have the ability to enforce their command, whether or not it's lawful. Mm-hmm. And and what should our reaction to that be? If they're just trying to take you to jail, that's where you submit, even if you, even if they had no lawful right to take you there. I think that's that's where we have to be very um, careful, not just as Christians but as citizens, to to util- utilize the processes that are in place in the system of government where, that we live in to address our our or to redress any wrongs that have been committed against us as citizens. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, th- I think that um, we'll talk about this as we, as we kind of work through 
how we as citizens, as United States citizens and as Christians, how we approach these different situations when the when a a an authority is is starting to operate in ways that are not lawful. Uh, there are different levels that we'll look at as far as how we as Christians uh, should respond and, and how we can respond and, and ultimately how we're obligated to respond, depending on the level of abuse uh, that someone may be someone may be partaking in when it comes to their role uh, or their role or their their authoritative role. But I also think that the other the other part of the conversation that makes this really messy is that we don't always know in our own we bring our own understanding to the picture and the the police officer in this particular instance is bringing their understanding to the picture and something that may seem illegal may not be illegal you know so uh it, it yeah i think we just have to be really careful that it, the illustration isn't as cut and dry as we might want it to be because uh how we how we may view police officers how the police officer may view us, how the any experiences, whether positive or negative, that we may have had with police officers is going to is going to shape our perspective on the the role of a police officer. And this goes, for example, I, I can I can I can share this in a uh, if we look at it from in a, at a different illustration, citizens citizens that um, Illinoisans, let me put it that way, Illinoisans have a different view of the role of governor, especially if you're a conservative that lives in Illinois, you have a different perspective on the role of the, uh, on the role of governor than you might, if you live in say Montana uh, or even Florida, that you, you have a different role because that, that because and I'll say in Illinois um, as an example, because the, the role of governor in Illinois has been abused horribly and not just by Democrats. So it's not just a conservative versus a progressive view, but the the role of governor has been abused horribly over the last decades and multiple governors have ended up in jail because of it. So if if you were to ask someone from Illinois what their view of of that what what their view of that role is, it might be different than someone who has grown up and lived in a state where that role hasn't been as abused or, you know, or maybe not even hardly at all been abused. So I think that when we're looking at this illustration um, or when we're talking about this in general, we just have to be really careful that what we need to get to is we need to see what is the clear teaching of scripture and, and then how do we how do we start to to work through that when we get into the messy part of it, which, you know, which is our perspective on everything and, and individual perspectives and everything. And I think that if we get to a clear understanding of what is the governing authority, then I think that we can, uh, we can start to work through some of the messier stuff. Yeah. So let's abandon the police officer illustration for the moment and talk about that. What is the governing authority? Because if you're under a system of government with processes in place where you can address the uh, disagreements that you might have with a police officer, that process is the law, right? Correct. Not, so the law is – so who's the king? Is the law king or is the king law? Uh, who, which one trumps which? Yeah, for us, the, for us, the law is king, right? And that's what we're that's – we're, we're operating with that assumption. I think that's what that illustration proves. But yeah, the, the law – is king meaning that the the process is subject to the law the authorities that are in the within the process are subject to the law um, and ultimately that's why we have a that's why we have a system of courts right is because we we are 
were appealing to the law over and above anything else. And we're, and we're appealing to those that are called to uphold the law to protect the, the, the working out of the law in society. That the law is king. So um, along those lines, Romans 13 is an interesting place to go. Um, uh, what's the, it was Luther, Luther's translations, interesting in that regard. Uh, as compared to, say, the ESV, which in Romans 13, verse 4, specifically talking about uh, the one who has who is in authority. I guess it starts in, is it verse 3? Verse 3 and 4, it uses the word he to translate. And Luther had a different take on it. What was his take yeah, when so, he translated it? Yeah, so if, if we read Romans 13, you've got in verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Okay, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And then he picks up, the the, the passage picks up then um, that, let me see which verse it is here. In verse 4, speaking of these governing authorities, verse 4 says, For he is God's servant. And it's speaking of those governing authorities. So, the, the question there is, who, who are these governing authorities? And the ESV gives it a masculine pronoun, he. Uh, some translations say it. And Luther translated that as she. And he was referring back to the governing authority, which is a feminine, of, uh, and it's a feminine noun in the Greek, the governing authority. And so Luther translated that as, for she is God's maidservant. She is God's servant. And so he was looking beyond any person. He was looking beyond any any human being. And he was looking back at this whole governing authority structure uh, that God has that God has established as a way in which people exist in this world within governing structures. That governing structure is your authority as a is what you are to yield to as a Christian because that governing structure has been established by God to um, to as it goes on and says here in this passage to be a servant of God an avenger that carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer that approves what is good um, and so that that structure is what Luther is pointing at and I think that when you translate that as she it helps you not automatically start connecting the dots that aren't necessarily there, which is this says governing right. authorities. Then I read he, then I think the president of the United States, or then I think the dictator or, you or know, whatever it is. Three, even What's in that? verse three, it says in the ESV in verse three, it says, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? But at the Greek, that's all one word. And it's just a noun. It's a feminine noun. Mm. Um, would yeah. you have no no fear of the authority, yeah. uh, the authority itself. So, yeah, in our English translation, it does give the appearance of a singular person being what's talked about. Um, but if you look at the Greek, Luther, I think Luther's right, from what I can remember about Greek, in translating it in the feminine, indicating it is the system of government, not the person it, himself. Yeah, that's how that's how I think that that's what if you if we look back at the um, if we look back at the Greek, I think that that's that's the point that Paul is making um, is he's not pointing to an individual. He's pointing to a system, um, the governing authorities and that that entire system 
that entire system gets its authority from God in the sense that God is the one that has established. God is the one that has established that there even would be governing authorities or a government system. And uh, I think that's what's that, that's what's helpful for us to see that uh, rather than putting all of that weight on a person. Yeah. So speaking of God establishing this, and I know last time we had talked about hierarchy or I had brought up, I had brought up maybe going back to creation to look that, at the establishment of authority and how it comes from God ultimately. The, the, uh, the, so this, this indicates that it's not the particular person in civil government that, that God has given the authority to, but it's the government itself as a way of promoting the well-being of humanity while we are awaiting the new creation and the return of Christ. I, I was thinking of Romans 1 where we sometimes I think, how is it that people can be so insane nowadays? Because you see it. They call what is good evil and what is evil good, etc. And then I remember, well, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Uh, so in verse 24 of Romans 1, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, etc. And basically it goes into God gave them up to their debased mind to do all sorts of unrighteous things, evil, etc. And so we see throughout scripture, but we see like this teaches us that God is using things, means to keep the peace of this world to, to anytime you see an unbeliever saying something true, that's because God has allowed it. He is holding it together for our, for humanity's benefit until the end comes. And so the authorities that are established by God, as Paul points out, they're there not for, not to punish the good people, the good but to punish the evil. They're there for the benefit of mankind because humans are, are sinful. <laughs> yep. Anyway. So as far as, uh, as far as authority goes, we, we, uh, we can see, and I, I had the Heidelberg catechism question number one Oh four in relation to the fifth commandment pulled up. What, what does God require in the fifth commandment that I show all honor, love and fidelity to my mother my father and mother and all in authority over me and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. So in relation to this, Andrew, the the question then comes up, we know that these authorities are given for our benefit to to uh, that it's actually God governing us by their hand. So we know that if we rebel against the authorities, we are rebelling against God on the one hand. But we also know that in our context, in the United States here at least, and, and other places too, by extension of thinking about things like God's law and natural law, if they're whatever your take is on what that means. I'm not I'm not well versed in that. But there are laws like do not murder that would transcend the United States. It would go up throughout the world governments, and that would be a valid law in all governments, in all places. But 
so in our context, though, the con- with in a, in a republic such as ours, governed by a constitution, then the law is the constitution. But we still have some obligation. We we can't just question everything that comes down from the authorities, can we? We what? So when we bear with their weaknesses, that that was an interesting point that I think we need to talk about. And we could use the policeman again, that illustration. When the policeman pulls us over for something and we're actually not, it's, it's not a good, a valid reason. There's this, there's this aspect of the Christian life where we bear with that in quietness and in submitting to that, even though we know it's wrong. And I thought, of, well, first of all, am I making sense? Yeah. I think this is where we start now, now that we've established that we are, we are subject to God's to God's uh, design, right? We are we are subject right. to God's design, and God's design uh, for the Christian and for humanity includes governing authority. This this constituted order, right? This is the way that God keeps order in His creation. And as believers, we are called to yield or submit or be subject to that order. Uh, and be, that's that's a good thing. That type of hierarchy, that type of order, is a good thing. Uh, so we are not called to rebel against that. Now, with that established, and and we've talked about, so the law is part of, or is the the core of that constituted order is the law. The law is what holds all of that together. It holds that government hierarchy. Together, it's the law is what gives the president his authority. The law is what gives the courts their authority. The law is what gives the governor, the mayor, and the police officer their authority. As soon as they step outside of that, they've abandoned their their authority. Right? They've abandoned their role, and when they abandon their role and they step outside the law, they step outside their authority, and and therefore that uh, they, they can no longer they, they can no longer act. In that role, if they've stepped they outside no of the law. the law to have their back. Exactly. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Yep. The law no longer has their back, uh, and which means their authority has been completely undermined. Right. So with that established, now the question becomes the, the question that you're asking now is uh, what do we do when you have human beings living in these roles? Right. So a in a perfect world. A police officer would never pull you over without absolute perfect cause. But what do you do when you put a human being, a flawed and sinful, broken, fallen human being into a role is you automatically insert the opportunity and the not just the probability, but the the reality that the that that role is going to be abused and misused in some way. That, that's just that's the nature of having human beings in these roles. So what do we do now? What, what do we do with this police officer that we know, uh, even with the best of intentions, is not perfect? What, what do we do in that situation? Yeah. What do we do indeed? <laughs> well, first of all, we treat them with respect. The Heidelberg cites... Um, well, it, well, it cites Proverbs twenty three twenty two. It says, "Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old." The implication being there, I think, that when 
even when your parents start to get senile and forgetful and say things that are no longer as wise as they once were when they were younger and better able to to uh, think or something like that, you still treat them with the respect of their office. I think that's important. I, Hodge, I was reading some Hodge on these issues, and he... It's no surprise. It, I've cheated so much uh, by reading these older dead guys that um, I have to give them all the credit for my thinking so far. Uh, Hodge is one of them. And and he talks about obedience versus submission and, and essentially says we don't have any duty to obey an unlawful command from even from an authority figure. Uh, what we do owe that authority is submission as Christians. And we get examples from that throughout scripture. I forget. I didn't look up. He, he gave the example of um, Acts 5 where they say we must obey God rather than man when, they, when they're told not to preach. Uh, but, they, but, but he also points out. So they did not obey the, the, the authority figure who claimed that preaching the gospel was not lawful. And said, don't do it. Well, that authority figure is now superseded by God who says, preach the gospel. So they, they say, well, we're going to obey God and not you. Because you've you've out- stepped outside the bounds of your lawful authority by telling us to do something God clearly says we, need, uh, we shouldn't do, which would be stopping the proclamation of the gospel. But he points out what they did was they submitted. And throughout the book of Acts, you see this. They submitted to being punished, arrested, put in prison, and such. Um, I thought about Paul in Acts 16. I happened to preach on this in seminary, and it was fun to do. And how Paul and Silas, at the Philippian jailer's conversion, they were imprisoned by the Jews or by by the authorities. And there was an earthquake in the middle of the night, and Paul and Silas... They were singing hymns, joyful hymns, while in prison and beaten. They did not feel good about themselves physically, but evidently spiritually they, they were doing great. And <laughs> what a weird thing, singing hymns in the middle of the night when you're beaten and bruised and bloody. Um, but they were that's what they were doing. And the jailer probably heard them when he awoke, awoke, was awakened by the earthquake and the doors were open and he ran down there ready to kill himself because he thought, oh, these guys have escaped. And they're just standing there waiting for him. And then he's converted and he brings them out of the prison cell and, and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved, etc." But you see an example there of them submitting to the punishment of unlawful acts by authorities. So I think that's a valid way of maybe of Thinking about it, we 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 don't owe obedience, but we do owe submission. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. And uh, I think that that this is where uh, it's important for us. It, the the we're not called to be a rebel people within the uh, you know rebelling against the government that God has placed us within. We are called to live out our faith. It within the government, even as the the government shows its imperfections, we are first and foremost called as God's people to live out our faith, which means that we are we we 
in faith, in trusting God, in trusting God's sovereignty, in trusting God's character, in trusting God, we allow that to be the ultimate, the ultimate reality that that shapes how we live out our faith within the the government that we find ourselves in. Meaning that at times we will experience exactly what Paul is experiencing, being thrown in jail, uh, and and he's he's taking that punishment, even though it's illegal. It's outside of the law. Those that are doing it are stepping outside of the law. He's he's doing that. He's trusting God, and he's recognizing in that moment this is the right way for me to not um, to not rebel and to not to not do everything that I could do, but to be subject not only to God's governing authority that He's established, but also to be subject to God's will and to be subject to how God has called me to live out my faith in this situation. On the other hand, in Acts 22, we see that Paul shares that he is a Roman citizen, right? And he basically it shows them that what you're doing is illegal and has legal, there are legal or there are consequences for what you are doing to a legal Roman citizen. And so he appeals to his Roman citizenship and uh, and shows that what you are doing is illegal. You stepped because I'm a Roman citizen, you have stepped outside of Roman law in what you're doing. And he appeals to the law, the, the, the law of the Romans to, to establish some sort of, of foothold uh, to, to show that what they're doing is wrong. So I think that it really depends. That's where it gets kind of tough is it it. It, it depends on the situation and, and it depends on what's happening. And I think that it, it yeah, just it, de- it depends on what the situation is as to whether we appeal to the laws just strictly, hey, this is illegal, you can't do this, or this is illegal, but I'm, I'm yielding because I'm ultimately serving God and, and living out my faith in this way. I don't know. Does that make sense? It seems like you see Paul doing both depending on the yeah. situation. It seems like a good opportunity to move to that document and the levels. Yeah, yeah. I think because uh, if this document helps us, it gives us clarity to kind of think through how Paul was making these making these calls, right? Making these determinations on when do you do this and when do you do that? Uh, when do you submit and take the punishment? And when do you step outside of that and appeal to the law to kind of give yourself some some freedom and some breathing room? Uh, I, I think that, yeah, this document that we've got here kind of helps us think through this in a, maybe a way that's that's offers some clarity. Yeah, it does. And and just we're, we're uh, looking at a document produced by conservative Lutherans and we're we are not Lutherans. I'm not a Lutheran. Andrew's certainly not a Lutheran. I'm a little closer, though. Right. Due to the baby baptizing. One, one step closer. Yeah. One big step closer. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's that? It's a slippery slope. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> but I do appreciate I do appreciate um, Luther and the the conservative Lutheran um, approach to Scripture, the Christ centered approach to Scripture. And this this document that they put together is very helpful. It is a helpful document. They use uh, the Nazi uh, example uh, to t- talk about resisting tyranny, rendering to Caesar, and resisting tyranny is kind of the scheme. So, so let's talk about, well, what would you like to talk about the levels or? 
I think those levels are pretty helpful. Yeah, I think I think that's a good place to go here. Maybe as we as we bring uh, start moving towards a close for this uh, for this podcast, I think if we if we take some time and just start working through these levels, and then maybe the next time we get together, we can look a little bit more in depth at these levels and and maybe have some examples as to what these would look like. But the basically the the levels that we're talking about, uh, there as we've just laid out, you know, there there are times when we are called to just take, be patient and take the, the injustice maybe that comes our way. Um, and, and to kind of, um, stand firm in the faith as Paul did, um, as Paul and Silas did, and, and even going to jail because of it. And on the other hand, there are times when we are called to resist the injustice. And a lot of it has to do with the, what level of injustice we're experiencing. So this document kind of helps us walk through, the different levels of injustice that we might experience, and when we we can we, we should be looking at it in, in a, from a different lens or responding in different ways, uh, the, it kind of provides some clarity there. Yeah, and one thing in reading through this doctrine of what is it called, the doctrine of or just political resistance in the Magdeburg Confession of fifteen fifty is where they got this from. But the doctrine of the lower magistrate or interposition, I thought was very important. We're not talking about this solely from the perspective of, of an individualistic approach to the law. Um, when you approach these levels, you're approaching it as an individual under authority. Therefore, as much as, as is possible, you should, you should, if you're doing any sort of resisting act, you should do so with the authority of a lesser magistrate or a lower magistrate. For example, here in Washington State, when the governor used the health department and L&I, Labor and Industries here, to mandate mask wearing, there was a sheriff in Lewis County who stood up against this and publicly declared that we should not wear masks and we should not be sheep. Because he saw this as tyrannical and he sees tyranny as leading ultimately to far more harm, including death, than, than uh, any protection that a mask might offer. But the interesting thing was you saw this interposition of a sheriff in Lewis County, not my county, a conservative county. So so I, I don't know what that means for me up here in Kitsap County, but but this, that's kind of what this this – this document with the levels here kind of gives us the idea that there is a, a first of all, those in those magistrates, the lower magistrates, that's kind of where you as an individual need to find your place in the structure of authority in the civil realm as a resistor. You shouldn't individually be an kind of an anarchist anti-establishment resistor you should do so as much as possible within the authority structures set up around you. does that make sense i think i just wanted to set that up as far as how this document's laid out yeah that that's a really really uh good point and important point is if if god if, if the if the constituted order law the governing structure is god's good design then we as Christians need to be very, very careful not to prematurely abandon that design. 
even when we see the design being abused, right? We, so if we were looking at this like within marriage, right? If we see, if, if my spouse sees me abusing the marriage uh, relationship, not fulfilling my role as a husband or vice versa, we know that marriage itself is God's design and we would need to be very, very, very careful not to prematurely abandon that design. Um, we need to work within that design and and try to um, do all that God has called us to do within that design rather than just abandoning it. And I think that's what we see here on a bigger level uh, is God has designed the governing author- the governing structure. That means that as we see the governing structure abused, it would be a last resort to abandon the structure itself when it comes to even, even trying to uh, accomplish some sort of change within the structure, right? Within the governing structure. So uh, if we want a, if we prefer a different governor, there are avenues through which we can try to uh, bring a different governor into that role, right? We don't, we don't just automatically resort to anarchy and rebellion, uh, and totally abandon God's design. So that's a really important point. Um, and that's what the, this doctrine of lesser magistrates starts to help us understand and work within is you work within the magistrates, not you don't uh, circumvent them. You don't go around them, right? And try to accomplish your own your own will. Uh, so I think that's really important. As we'll see, uh, there are many ways that we as Christians can respond to an abused system without abandoning the system itself. Right. Yeah, and so how many minutes do you have left? Five or less? Uh, about five five minutes, yep. All right, well, you want to read through this real quick, and then we'll end uh, on another cl- uh, cliffhanger-type situation? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think the, the, what I'm excited for for the next podcast <laughs> um, is we're, we will take a closer look at each one of these, each one of these levels, but I, I maybe just want to give like a brief overview of what we're going to be looking at uh, in the next podcast. Uh, so you've got these different levels. So level one, you would have uh, that you've got these basic um, th- these basic abuses or uh, the, the basically the person in their role, because they're naturally a human being and they're naturally weak, uh, occasionally they abuse their their role. And how do we as Christians respond when someone just occasionally naturally abuses the role that they're in, misuses their office. Level two, and so we'll look at that. We'll look at what would that look like and then how would we respond? Level two would be when the the person in this office more systematically begins to abuse or misuse their, their role, starts to act contrary to his oath and to the laws of the land, starts to step outside of that, um, the the terms the the phrase executive order might come into play here you know when someone just starts governing based on their own um their own executive orders or their own things that they're putting in place and they're stepping outside the law a little bit uh but m- but more systematically how do we as christians respond in that situation and then uh how do we respond when the governor or the ruler starts to uh cause us to do things or rules that we must do things that are sinful? How, how should we respond then? And how do we respond within the governing structure? Meaning, how do we utilize the governing structure to resist that type of order? Not Again, 
being careful not to very not to prematurely step outside of the governing structure, but how do we work within the governing structure that God has designed to resist against the abuse that is happening um, with any particular role? And then ultimately, level four would be when someone has completely abandoned their role, the the the, the law, and is persecuting and causing all kinds of of major issues. Then. Um, what do we do in that situation when uh, maybe even it becomes impossible for us to resist within the governing structure? Um, when, when someone is basically taking on the role of dictator and abandoning all law, all governing structure themselves, right? And becoming the, when they become the governing authority themselves, what, what do we do in that situation and why? Uh, so those are kind of the, that's kind of a basic rundown of what we'll be looking through. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of walk through those in a more practical uh, discussion. What would these look like? Have we seen these in the past? Uh, if we have, how can we learn from them? How might they look in the future? And, uh, and, and how can we respond? How should we respond as Christians that want to embrace the governing structure as good as something that God has designed and uh, how does that apply to us as Christians? And then ultimately, we'll look at how does this apply to the church, how the church, uh, the gathering together of God's people, uh, especially locally, how is the church supposed to understand these things, uh, mask mandates, social distancing, those kinds of things? Yeah, that's where the rubber meets the road for this whole thing for me is is the church's response, because it's such a difficult thing. Um, yeah. I know elders are struggling with this because the church, a lot of churches are divided there will be people who won't come to church if everybody's not wearing a mask. And there will be people who won't come to church if masks are required. And what do you do? No matter what you do, you're wrong. So yeah, this should be interesting as we come to that. That's our cliffhanger. At some point, we're going to start talking about the particulars. <laughs> of it. Yeah. Yep. It's just really important <laughs> for us to nail down. Uh, it has been for me anyways, as we've been thinking, kind of basically thinking out loud here. It's been really helpful for me to clarify what is the the governing authority that Paul is talking about, that Peter is talking about. What are these governing authorities and where do they derive their authority from? Uh, if we're looking at the emperor or the governors sent out, as, as Peter talks about in First Peter, where does their authority even come from? Uh, it comes from an established law, a constituted order. Uh, and that is what God has established as a means of holding his creation together. Uh, and that that should be our that should be our ultimate it, it, that should ultimately be what is in our in in view, uh, and that way we're not over we're we're not taking this so overly literal that we end up doing more damage or more harm uh, than good. In and and we'll look more in, in detail at what that could look like uh, if we were to take that too far the wrong direction. Um, as we think through some of these things. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff to work through. I hope it's helpful to people listening. I think we'll close it here. I think you have to go. Is that correct? Yeah, I need to I need to head out for this one, but I'm really looking forward to going through this in the next right. podcast. Yeah, me too. So uh, for now, this has been Practically Theologians. Email us, podcast at practicallytheologians.org. We will talk next time and get into more details and maybe even address current events uh, and what the church should do currently. But maybe not. We'll see how far we get. Thanks, Andrew. It's been fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.